0: You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for the Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everybody, Luke Hector here on April the 30th, 2023. I have literally just recorded this podcast for about five seconds and already the Wi-Fi signal wanted to cut out briefly, so I had to do that sentence for another time. That's the first for this podcast. But yeah, this is another episode, episode 70. I've done this 70 times now. Not the podcast in general, I've done that long before I started doing the Broken Meeple show, but in terms of this particular podcast series when I renamed it, we're talking 70 episodes on. So in terms of general things, I mean, health-wise, not doing too bad. Still get a few... Headaches every now and again. People have asked me to sort of check in on that kind of thing. And, you know, most of the time I put it down to either being too tired, like, you know, inconsistent sleep or staring at a PC screen all the time, which is why I now wear glasses. Because anytime I have to stare at a laptop screen or preferably a TV, you know, mobile device, it's recommended I wear glasses now to stop my eyes straining to keep focus. And that sometimes could cause me more headaches. Or it could just be too hot and that gives me a headache. Because, you know, as soon as we get into the summer, I'm going to have to try and not get too hot in that sense. I don't know what causes them, frankly. I think it's just random and it's just tied to those things, but... Maybe I'll get it checked, I'll try and get it checked out at some point, maybe like visit a GP or something, and just to make certain that there's nothing more sinister underlying, but yeah, they can get annoying, they don't uh, wipe me out, it's not like getting the flu or the cold, but they're just there, they're just sort of debilitating, it's just like having somebody constantly press on your head for a while, it's it's kind of weird, but just been to the gym, so I've done a bit of uh, weightlifting, and that's uh, helped today's one anyway, but otherwise, all pretty good. In terms of the channel, the channel has been doing okay. I mean, I've had a couple of videos this week from uh, the Alley Cat Games new lineup, which is Phantom Inc. and Rome in a Day. Not the best of views, though. They're struggling to even meet a thousand. But they were quick-draw reviews, and these are two games that are not going to be that popular. I mean... Roam in a Day is not even released yet, they're both coming out in the UK in the UK Games Expo, but Roam in a Day is a short little filler, and Phantom Inc. is a party game, which has already been out in the States, I believe, for a year or two at least, maybe even a couple of years, something like that, and yeah, I wasn't expecting them to get exactly a ton of views. So these two are pretty light affair, but if you are going to the UK Games Expo and you are interested in these two, then please, by all means, give them a watch. Uh, the Ori Calcom giveaway, I announced the results on the video, so that doesn't really count. That was just to announce the winner. Uh, the recipient has already got their game, uh, Mr. Craig Higginson in Wales. So I hope you're enjoying your copy, because you definitely have got it now, because I know, because I've got the delivery notification saying you have. But other than that, the top 10 nature-themed games... Uh, Has not done as well as I would have hoped, actually. it's only 3,000 views, and that's quite low for a top 10. A top 10 normally does at least twice that. I mean, take a look at the immersive games. The immersive games was only a week before that, and that's at 8,500. So that one's kind of peaked at 3,000. I'm not quite sure why. Whether people are getting sick and tired of nature games, or perhaps too many nature game lists have come out recently, and so people are just getting a bit tired of seeing similar stuff on there, although I would argue I've got a few different ones on there but yeah just for some reason that one just isn't doing as well which is a bit of a shame given that they take a lot of time to do but uh, like i say if you have not watched it yet then please do there's some very nice games on there particularly from an aesthetics point of view and certainly worth giving a look but yeah that's kind of it for content for the last couple of weeks because this is a time of year where nothing gets released like Nothing gets released. It's just constant, you know, basic stuff and or like TCGs and that. So there hasn't really been anything new to review, which is why I've managed to now finally, as they've just released UK stock now, get a copy of Revive. Uh, Kender has, uh, you know, sponsored the channel have a copy of Revive, and it's the intention for me to give a full, detailed review, because I asked the Patreons, uh, whether they wanted me to do so, and they unanimously said yes. So, a lot of people want me to review Revive, because, to be fair, it came out around Essen time last year, and there was a lot of hype for it. There was a lot of reviewers saying that this is 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, praise, 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 praise. Now, of course, much like with Earth... That makes me feel a bit sceptical because when a lot of people hype it up like that, you you have to kind of gauge that maybe there's some uh, sugar coating going on. But I then reviewed Earth, and yes, that does have some problems, but I did agree that it was an excellent game. I have played Revive. Uh, 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 A viewer... Showed me it at uh, last GridCon, and I enjoyed my play of it there. It took a while, and we did get a, one or two rules wrong, but I did enjoy it. So I thought this game has potential. But I now need to get cracking with the solo mode, I've already got it unbox downstairs, I'm going to do some solo modes this bank holiday weekend, and probably get it played multiplayer on Monday as well, and then over the next week I'll play it more and more, it'll be my game of focus for the next week in a bit, uh, get enough plays in, and then I can give a full detailed review probably the week after, or at least record it the week after, so bear with me, it's going to take a little bit of time, but you know, I will eventually get that full review done for your viewing pleasure, hopefully, or more to the point, your viewing information, because at the end of the day, I'm trying to do honest reviews that give useful info. Now, in terms of uh, other bits with the channel, one thing I do want to mention is uh, subscribers, 19,882. We're getting closer and closer to that 20,000 mark, although we're behind schedule as to where I thought we would be I thought we would be a bit closer than we are now but 118 subscribers and we hit the big 20,000 milestone which is going to be pretty insane now people have asked if I'm going to do anything special for the 20,000 milestone and I will I'm not going to just let it slide but I don't know exactly what to do now, I might do a couple of milestones in the 1900s in a sense by maybe saying I'll do a, a Tier Maker live stream where I vote on my favourites of the Marvel MCU movies and stuff like that because I know a lot of channels have done that and I do like Marvel, so that'd be pretty sweet for me. But I'm not certain on this, okay? It's a, it's a lot of hassle, it's a lot of faff, it's stuff to arrange and stuff to learn. But I may, may consider something that people have asked me to do for a long time, which is to do merchandising. And by merchandising, I mean t-shirts and that kind of thing, because... Uh, A lot of people have asked, you know, can I get a t-shirt with your logo on it and stuff like that. And I've always thought, who on earth wants to wear a t-shirt with my logo on it? Just like my random mutterings and, you know, stuff like that. But apparently some people would like it and some other smaller channels, board gaming ramblings and a few others, you know, do it as well. And it's like, alright, maybe it's about time I actually did have maybe two or three t-shirts and maybe a mug or something, you know. I mean, I find mugs more useful than t-shirts, frankly, you know. Because at the end of the day, I wear the same stuff most of the time just so that I can get you know, be comfortable. Although I did show off a few gaming t-shirts from, uh, you know, an Etsy seller. Uh, check out my, I believe it was the last top 10 I did, the nature one, where I've done a promo on them. But you'll find out more details when I talk about the UK Games Expo, because they'll be appearing there. But mugs for me are more useful. I mean, being able to get my coffee and tea in a, you know, a Le Creuset mug so it's nice and warm for ages is very nice. Mmm. Chamomile tea, lovely. But you know, a mug does more for me and I've got quite a fair few mugs downstairs. I've got like a one with the Meadow game on it that uh, the the company gave me when I reviewed their game. Uh, I've got some glasses that I've had from beer breweries and like festivals and stuff. You know, those sort of things are more interesting to me than a t-shirt. But you know, at the end of the day, people have asked for it. So I'm looking into it. Uh, I hear there's a couple of sites like T-Mills and stuff like that who will link to my YouTube channel and handle all the logistics everything all i've got to do is go on and sign up for free and design the shirts and i take a little bit of the profit so if i mean presumably they must take some of the profit otherwise how on earth do they make any money but if it is as simple as that then it's something i could consider for the twenty thousand mark to you know do a few t-shirts so we could have one with the the big low um in fact is it on my screen at the moment can i show it yeah yeah we could have my uh big logo uh yeah, the channel, the Broken Meeple, so the one with the meeple and the broken line for it, the blue and the green, you know, we we could have a shirt with just that on the front, Uh, we could have a a couple of variations of my logo that I do have and, and have used, you know, so they could work as well, I've got one with like the Broken Meeple with words, so you could have the logo, you could have one with the words, I would quite like actually to do a shirt with my quote though that I use at the end of every video so it could have my logo and then underneath in font it could have remember it's only a game you know it's a catchphrase that I tend to say at the end of every video it's you know very sort of prominent to what the channel's all about you know look look, I'm going to talk honestly about these games I'm going to say highs I'm going to say lows you may not like my opinions on some of this stuff but at the end of the day remember it's only a game don't get so worked up over it and it's you know it's something that I think would suit a t-shirt. So, not set in stone, but as an idea, it's something I've got in mind that I could do for the 20,000 milestone. So, if that's of interest to you, then by all means let me know and tell me if that's something you would actually want, you know, a potential t-shirt with a logo on it. And if that's the case, well, you know what to do. Share the channel, get it out there, get people to know about it, watch the videos, uh, get new people to watch the videos, and get us up to 20,000 subscribers, and then you can have your wish. So, okay, let's move on to a game that I've played. So, game that I've played... I have talked about Snowdonia a little bit in the past, but the reason that I'm going to bring it up now is because I played it again recently. Uh, a friend of mine has a copy as well with a bunch of the expansions. Uh, I think they got, like, a hybrid of the old and the deluxe version because of some uh, interesting second-hand trade they did. I've got the deluxe version downstairs... Past tense, it's technically reserved so that, uh, you know, Hilmar from Iceland, who does the uh, Midgard convention, is going to take it off my hands at the expo because I wanted to find out if it was worth keeping. I kind of got suckered into buying it a couple of years ago at the Games Expo by uh, Tony Boydell's uh, lovely wife. Uh, I think it was her wife. <laughs> I hope it was. And You know, she made a very good sales pitch, and I thought for £70, I'd been at the whole expo, and I hadn't bought a single game. There was nothing I wanted to buy. Nothing new, nothing old. And I thought, if I walk away from a convention like this without actually buying anything, that's just sad. So I thought, okay, fine, I'll splash out on this deluxe set. It had a lot of content in it, and I remembered playing the game before, enjoying it, but not loving it. It was kind of 7 out of 10 at that time, maybe dropping to a 6, and I thought maybe this deluxe version with some more modules will make it better for me so we had the opportunity to play it yesterday and I thought well I haven't really got the deluxe stuff out of that set I've unboxed it but that's literally it so I thought well okay let's play another game of Snowdonia base game you know no modules thrown in and that and let me just solidify is this a game I would actually want to keep you know or is it just one that I'll play every now and again So Snowdonia came out in 2012, uh, Tony Boydell, and it's essentially a, a kind of, I wouldn't even call it an engine... Building game. It's essentially a train-themed game where you're building the train track up to the top of Snowdonia. Now, I traveled there last September, so this gave me a little bit of the nostalgic feels. But then the train wasn't working that day, and frankly, I didn't go to Snowdonia so I could ride a stupid little steam train. I went there so I could walk up and down a big mountain. I'm a hiker, not a train rider. But... In Snowdonia, you're basically doing a worker placement uh, uh, mechanic. Now, this is the old version. This doesn't have the deluxe components. So the components are a lot... Well, they're not that much better, frankly. The cards are the same. The girders are the same. The you know Most of the stuff is... The cubes are the same. The only thing that's actually different, as far as I'm aware, is the pieces' pawns are represented by screen-printed meeples. And the weather tokens have got some screen printed stuff on it, But that's about it. I'm not actually aware that the like really nice deluxe set actually has anything fancy in it. Let's just have a look. Deluxe master set. So you get all the modules in it. But you know all those different trains and different locations and an autumna and stuff like that. But as far as I'm aware, I don't think it changes much else other than the fact that it gives you some game trays and you now have these meeples. So yeah, so you do have a nicer looking board. You know, you've got, uh, you know, the pub is actually a building on the board. You've got the screen printed meeples and uh, the edge of the board has the train track around it. So you're not just building it around the side of the board. Whatever, it's pretty much just cosmetic. The game is entirely pretty much the same. But what you're doing is basically these cards are laid out around the outside of the track. They've got rubble cubes on them and you take actions with your two workers. You can only at most have three in a round and these action cards at the top have spaces that do you various things like lay track, collect resources, dig out, that kind of thing, collect contracts and it's a worker placement game. So you put your workers out and then from A to G these cards resolve and they go in order one and two and basically you just do whatever you need to do in order to lay some tracks and score some points at the end of the game. It's all about end game victory points. The contracts give you a special ability that you can use as a once off, but at the top of the card they give you points at the end of the game for fulfilling certain conditions, and it could be a really easy one to do, it could be a really tough one to do. So... That's not much else to really say about it. It's a relatively tight game. The worker placement spots are not plentiful, regardless of the player count. And you're certainly going to have to put up with the fact that this is a game about timing. A lot of the stuff that happens is paramount as to when it happens, because you may want to dig out some rubble to clear some spaces, which will give you some VP. But of course, you need to excavate when that's the case. If someone goes before you and clears it off by some other means, it throws you for a loop. You might want to build a train track, but if somebody goes there and builds it first, you're kind of in trouble. But then you've also got the idea that if somebody's going to excavate up to the next station and you want to build, well, if you know they're going to excavate, you might go on the building space in order to build as soon as they've excavated. You, You basically have to travel around the track in sequence. So if you haven't dug as far enough to get to the station, you can't interact with that station, which is basically just pay stone and girders to put tokens down for victory points. It's pretty generic. But the real sort of crux of this is that the game has an inbuilt timer with these events and as these events happen the track gets built round the outside if you're going too slow so the game goes at a pretty good pace two workers you don't have many actions in a round so as long as you're not aping it should be not too long for the rounds the contract abilities are not as varied as i would like but they're there and they're certainly useful The main thing I like with the game is the weather effects. The fact that the rate at which you excavate and lay down tracks is dictated by a weather track in which you know the next couple of rounds, but not necessarily after that. And if it's sunny, you get to do more. If it's raining, you get to do less. And if it's foggy, you can't do anything at all. So this influences your choices each round. It's easily the best part of the game, in my opinion, the weather mechanic. And I know that this got reprinted a while later into Alabari and a cup of tea, I personally prefer Alibari as a game, but frankly, it's 95% the same game. They added a different resource and changed the setting. But other than that, it's pretty much the exact same game. So if you like one, you like the other. It's physically impossible to dislike one and not the other. But we played it. And, uh, you know, Snowdonia. And my views are... It's fine. But I think it's still probably a 6 out of 10 for me. Because the thing with this game is that it... If you start off well, you'll continue to do well. There is a little bit of a case where you think, ah, if somebody gets a really powerful turn, it's unlikely that you're going to catch them up points wise. And we had this situation with this. The trains that you can buy, you can buy a train that gives you like a special ability and some coal, which is how you reserve the third worker for the round. The trains in the base set are not balanced. They're they're just fundamentally not. Some of those trains are not worth the cardboard they're printed on. And the one that digs excavation, that increases your work rate to excavate cubes, is broken. It's severely broken. Because excavating cubes can clear off spaces for victory points. A lot of the contracts want you to get excavation cubes for victory points. Again, so you're already doing that a lot better. But also, you have control over whether stations open up or not for the most part. So you've got a control aspect there. But we had a turn where one of the contracts says double your work rate after bonuses for the round. So somebody basically had the easy point of, oh, it's sunny. We're at max rate. Okay, I'll put two workers on excavate. Trigger this. Now I take off 20 cubes. 10 per worker. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean that's a that's a completely broken turn. Nothing else in the game can possibly give you as much of a swing for little to no effort as that. And it wasn't that much effort. You literally just had to go, "Oh, it's sunny. We've got max rate. I've got the train. Cool. I'll put two workers there then." Done. That's it. That's not a lot of effort and funny enough i called it at that point thinking well he's won the game then there's no way we're going to catch up for that and yeah the points were like 81 82 84 and 134 it was a complete massacre now with the modules you can offset this by simply just putting in different train modules so yes i think that train is overpowered i think the base set trains aren't very good replace it with a module set and give me a new set of trains perfect you know i would perfectly be fine to say that that problem can be mitigated pretty easily with the expansions. There are too many expansions. I mean, seriously, do we need 150 odd different train locations and God knows what else? I mean, they they jump the shark with a lot of these. They go from storybooks, they've got Kafulu ones, they've got the Isle of Man, they got Yeti in one of them, they got goats in another one. It's just like, okay, you're jumping the shark a bit with this uh, whole game here. But the game is smooth. It is elegant. How on earth did this guy get 229 points? Uh, this has to have been with... No, this can't be right. Somebody's added this up wrong. Uh, yeah, I think somebody's added these points up on. 82, 147. How do you get from 147 to 229? Am I... I feel like somebody's really done a number with the score pad. I'm looking at a score pad here where, t- like, four players have quoted on, and one of them should have 147, yet somehow he's got 229. I feel like somebody really um no nobody's corrected them on his maths or am i just missing something here i have no idea but maybe it's a special set or whatever i don't care but the thing is snowdonia for me is still about a six out of ten because the the feeling you get playing this game to me feels a bit like death by a thousand cuts if the timing aspect can screw you over so much in this game to the point where it doesn't feel like you're doing very well. And it's not fun to be constantly prodded with sharp objects. Unless you're a masochist. But the the idea that, all right, I wanted to do this. Oh, I I, I won't remove enough cubes to remove a space. Oh. All right, oh, I want to do this. Oh, the fog's coming out. Oh, right, I've got no chance. All right, I want to do this. Oh, the event just built over my space. Mm, right, um, okay, I want to get these resources. Oh, you've just taken the ones I wanted. Is I? Oh, I want to go to this space. Oh, you've just gone before me, and now that's that. It... There's a lot of stuff in this game that's kind of prodding you at times. And then to, you know, they have the nerve to give you the space action on the on the end, the Surveyor. Move your Surveyor around the edge of the track and it will score you points. It is basically the action to do if you have nothing better to do because it's a waste of time. It takes you a good seven, eight actions to get any reasonable amount of points from this thing... And it's just not worth it. It's a stupid action and shouldn't even be in the game, frankly. But, you know, why not just put more spaces on the other actions so we can do the actual interesting part? But I digress. So, with this, I, you know, I play it and then you're getting prodded with these timing aspects. And the problem with these timing aspects is that you can't predict a lot of them. I mean, yeah, you know they're going from A to B in this particular order. But... You take a space, there's no guarantee somebody else won't take the space or trigger some contract effect or do something else that will mess you over. Next round, you may want to do something. There's no telling whether the events will come out and build over the bits you wanted to, because you draw cubes out of a bag for the resource market, but also white cubes dictate the events. Well, if the white cubes come out when you don't want them to, it could screw you over. And you don't have any control over the bag. It's a complete random element. So... And some of the contracts, some of the abilities are much better than others. I mean, like I say, doubling the amount you excavate in cubes, it's a lot better than simply just saying, oh, this round I can lay one extra track if I happen to have a bucket load of girders, which is not easy to get hold of, because getting hold of girders requires a ton of iron ore. And laying tracks, I just don't think it's worth it anyway. I mean, so the contracts can be good points if you lay out tracks, but you get decent amount of points from just building on stations and excavating so why do I really care about getting all this resources to then convert into girders which could be used for train but instead I'm going to spend it all on girders so that instead of building on the cards I lay them out on the track and it scores me half the points. I just don't really see them as useful unless you're gunning for a contract that wants you to do a lot of it. But like I say I'm kind of waffling a little bit here. The game is fine. It's It's elegant. It's smooth. It's not a difficult one to teach. Not a difficult one to learn. It's 2012. It feels like an older game, frankly, than 2012. But you know what? Simple and elegant designs are something that are definitely worth appreciating in a Euro game. Aesthetically, the deluxe version is an improvement, but it's still not the best looker in the world. I mean, I was trying to picture where this bit on Snowdonia was on the walk I was doing, and I think I've got an image of where that is, but this could just be random. I don't know whether they've pictured this that painted this from the actual Snowdonia photo or something or it was just a coincidence that it just looks like that but there's elements of this game I do like but I don't like the game enough to want to keep it this is one where I as soon as I finished the game pretty much halfway through the game I was like Yeah, you know what, if I play Snowdonia again, it's going to be one that I play with friends, and it's going to be one that they own the copy already, so I don't need to own my deluxe version. I've got to sort through all the rotten expansions to try and figure out where things go and what the standard cards are and whether the goats are needed or the yeti or something. It's just not something I'm going to bring out. The game for me is a 6 out of 10. It's above average, it's fine, but the feeling, the journey, and we'll get onto more of that later... The journey just doesn't feel quite as interesting or fun, you know. The payoff is meh, and the rest of the game is just do-bits. The setting I couldn't care less about because you're building trains. Who cares about trains? <laughs> and, it, you know, it, it's fine. It, it's got some good stuff in it, but not enough to make me want to keep the game. So, I'm getting rid of my deluxe set. And I'm sure there's a bunch of Snowdonia fans out there who want my head because they love this game with a passion. Well good for you. I mean, that's that's the way it is. Mmm. Yum, yum, yum. Camamarti. Alright, let's go on to a few bits of news very quickly then. So, I mentioned I was talking about Revive earlier. Well, they're already putting out an expansion for it. I mean, it's barely even come into stock anywhere in the world and already we have an expansion plan for later this year. Well, joy. Now, That's not to say it's a bad thing. I mean, I like this cover, and, you know, expansions are good, providing it's mainly more of the same stuff, you know, more of the same. Well, it's certainly giving you a lot in there. I mean, that's a lot of content in this box, quite a lot. I mean, you've now got this new, like, card you can collect with this weird sea creature on it. You've got more tribes with unique abilities, a few more cards, new machines, slot modules and citizen cards, that kind of thing. So it does look like, for the most part, it's just giving you more of the same. Good, because that's the only thing I would want from the expansion. I mean, the game's already a two and a half, three hour euro. It's not really one that I think needs more expansions. Although, I like the fact that on this BGG page, it says 60 to 90 minutes. 90 to 120, yeah, whatever. This is a two to three hour game. It's not 90 minutes, unless you're playing it solo, I guess. And certainly, I don't see why this would make it any shorter. Seriously, does anybody check the stats they put on these things, honestly? Or do they just take it as gospel, or just put it in, or get somebody to write it in a crayon? I don't know. But you now have a new mysterious life form, Skithoth. Whatever, I can't pronounce it. The game has no theme anyway, so I don't even know why they're bothering to make it sound like it's story-based. Lives in the giant lakes that are formed by meltwater from the glaciers. By building near lakes, you gain devotion points which lets you access the new and powerful cards. You can also use the switch action to initiate journeys, sending your citizens to get more devotion. And you have four tribes. Um, One has a day and night cycle. The other one has powerful gadgets. Uh, One has huge gates that they can switch on, on and off. They can build uh, another leeches of the players. So it's certainly more... These are going to be much more interactive tribes by the looks of things. So, you know, if you're worried that it was a bit too multiplayer solitaire last time, which, to be fair, Revive is 80% multiplayer solitaire. You do interact a tiny bit on the map, but not much. It's mainly just blocking spaces. You're pretty much playing your own game. So if this forces a little bit more interaction and it's not too nasty, then it could be pretty cool. But as I said, I haven't reviewed the actual game yet, so I don't know if I care about getting an expansion for this. But if you're a fan of Revive and there are some out there, more stuff's on the way but you know is this going to be one that they you know put out at Essen and then don't release copies of it elsewhere for ages in which case generating hype because of low, dem, you know, low supply. If you're going to release this expansion of Porter release it worldwide release it properly don't make it an Essen only relief for six months it's not good. Right uh, well here's something that you also probably won't care about Call of Duty, the board game. Call of Duty. Uh, Arcane Wonders is teaming up with Blizzard Activision in order to do a tabletop version of Call of Duty. Which is interesting because I, I'm i assuming it's going to be against AI or is it going to be against other people? It, oh, oh no, it's only a two-player game. Oh right, so this is going to be a massive game with miniatures and stuff I suspect that's going to have just two players. So one against the other. I mean, Call of Duty is a fun enough PC game. I personally prefer the Battlefields, although to be fair, the Battlefields have been run into the ground now thanks to DICE and EA's stupid practices and getting rid of their talent. And even the older Battlefield games, as much as I do play Battlefield 4 online, is ripe with either, you know, empty servers and hackers and cheaters aplenty. So it's a dying trade, frankly. Call of Duty, again, hackers and cheaters, quite plentiful online, but also... I kind of prefer the whole conquest objective style of Battlefield with teams and vehicles and stuff than I do the just run and gun and twitch shooter who's got the best kill death ratio as if anybody gives them monkeys. It's, you know, I hate these people online. You know, I'm in Battlefield trying to take flags. I'm trying to get bombs to locations. I am protecting others, repairing others, resupplying and reviving. I don't give a monkeys if I have a kill-death ratio of 1 to 10, 10 to 1, 50 to 2 deaths. Who cares? It's a computer game. Nobody gives a monkeys if you're good at a computer game. Get a life. But, nah, I'm going off on a tangent there. But, yeah, Call of Duty, the board game, I'm not exactly holding my breath for this. I mean, Arcane Wonders does some good stuff. There's a good thing. I mean, if this was cool mini or not... I'd roll my eyes and just completely gloss over it, because I would just imagine it's just going to be loads of miniatures, too expensive, and not designed that well. But Arcane Wonders could do some fun stuff here, or at least try something a bit different. What worries me is that this has got Blizzard Activision's name on it and that means an IP which means you've got to pay lots of money to the IP which means this is going to be expensive and I think it's coming to Kickstarter eventually so I'm pretty sure it will be a Kickstarter and if that's the case you know this is going to cost a fortune because Arcane Wonders don't do very cheap Kickstarters and Activision and Blizzard are going to want a ton of money because they are just going to mince the publisher for money for the IP and that means it's going to cost a lot for what you get, and hopefully Activision don't join in the game design, because frankly, um, does anybody think that most of the stuff, you know, I mean, forgetting Call of Duty, Blizzard Activision is not exactly in people's popular books right now, is it? The games they make are usually garbage, every time they try to remake something from the past, like Warcraft or Diablo and that, they basically microtransaction it up to hell and back, and just take advantage of people's nostalgia, uh, they've, you know, just made some stupid decisions with their practices. They then got screwed over before. Remember the whole controversy with Blizzard and the the Bill Cosby room and the lawsuit they got? Yeah. um, Suffice to say, people really shouldn't be giving Blizzard and Activision much money right now. But there are still people out there who will spend £50,000 on a gun skin for their games. I mean, you know, there are some crazy people out there with more money than common sense and intelligence. But the... You know, Call of Duty, I'm not exactly holding my breath for this. If you're a fan of Call of Duty, this might be something you want to look out for. I have a bit more hope because Arcane Wonders are the publisher and not others that I think would just boost it with too many miniatures and that. But again, this isn't really something I'm looking forward to, particularly as it's only a two-player game. But we'll see. I'll be happy to be proved wrong. Went on a bit of a tangent there with some rants, but uh, hey, that's how I roll right okay well here's something a bit more pleasant okay so garfield games did a big announcement recently where they are doing uh you know uh, some reduxes and collector's editions of certain older games particularly from their north sea lineup so the main one that's got people interested is a redux version of shipwrights in the north sea this is the one i have not played well I, actually no tell lie i haven't played explorers yet more on that in a minute but Shipwrights, I have barely any knowledge of. I have no idea if it's any good. This was the first one they ever did. Yeah, Raiders was second. I didn't realize. I thought Raiders was first. But no, Shipwrights was first. Not that popular with people. I mean, there has got a few people who like the game, but for the most part, it was forgotten, not that great, has some problems. While well, a Redux version with the up-to-date artwork and some mechanical changes means that this could be an interesting game. And I would certainly like to try it in its redux form i don't think i want to play the game in its old form and then risk getting bad blood for what this one could change it like i would just like to play this version so that would be pretty cool and i think it's a good idea to go revisit old games that didn't do well i mean it's a i mean if you're going to do something if you've got no innovation for a brand new game then try and fix an old game that didn't do too well i'd say that's a pretty good idea for most publishers really um you know suffice to say there's a big catalog of games that could really benefit from a bit of a revision but they're also doing explorers of the north sea collector's box now i don't have a picture for this one so i'm just showing the normal one on the screen but they're basically going to do a collector's box for explorers of the north sea that will hold the one expansion in it now this has me puzzled a little bit because explorers of the north sea only has one expansion and i have explorers of the north sea with the expansion and it all fits in one box pretty easily without that much problematic setup this doesn't feel to me like a game that needs a collector's box raiders had two expansions architects has two expansions viscounts now has two expansions effectively i mean there was it was one actually no well technically one expansion yeah because those two mini expansions were basically combined into one there was no point to package them separately that was a dumb move but uh and paladins has one expansion so yeah, I guess they didn't necessarily need collectors' boxes, but then they have a lot more. Sto- they have a lot more pieces, so storage is a problem with them. But I just don't see Explorers in the North Sea needing a storage box. And I haven't even played Explorers yet. I've got it. I've got Rocks of Ruin in it. I've read the rules. I can just never be bothered to take it to a night and play it because there's just something about the game as I read the rules that just makes it sound like this game's going to be pretty dull, pretty boring. You know, a very mediocre, meh, pick-up-and-deliver game, and I just don't know if I want to waste my time with it. I think at some point I will play it to see if it's a keeper, because I've gone to the effort of getting the expansion and that, so I could give my thoughts on the game, so I'd be letting people down if I didn't play it, and give my thoughts on it in a podcast episode. I just need to get the motivation and the willpower to do it. (laughs) You know? Especially when I've got to be the one to teach it. But at some point I will. I will get this played and give my thoughts on Explorers. But yeah, just something about it just isn't drawing me to it. So why do we need a collector's box? I don't know. But, you know, I like the sound of the shipwrights, um, uh, you know, the shipwright scene. I think that would be pretty cool. I would like to try the Redux version of that right okie dokie so let's move on to the topic of the day now the topic of the day is literally still ongoing on slack right now which is quite amusing um because <laughs> mm, quick drain a tea first in fact i'm going to take another swig yum 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 because uh, this probably hopefully won't be too long on the topic but uh i say this all the time the conversation literally has been started by a friend of mine and I'm not going to say names because they don't want to be named and like on stuff on TV on on the channel and stuff. But suffice to say, um, I might have to owe him a stout or something <laughs> for basically giving me the idea of this podcast because I was running out of ideas. But we came up with a topic on the Slack channel for Paul Grogan's uh, you know gaming rules site, and just as a quote here, I'm not going to say names, but I'll just quote the uh, the question here. Uh, this has been on my mind. I was considering how much value I place on what some call jaggedness in game design. That is the ability to make regular decisions that drive you towards a cool payoff or cause you to disastrously fail, even where it introduces some fiddliness, imbalance within reason, or difficulty into the design to accomplish it. The alternative... Are very smooth, homogenous, a few points here, a few points there designs, which, while very chill and totally worthwhile, don't hold my attention as they once did. Hmm, interesting. So I had to get a few games in context there, and this discussion is still going on on Slack at the moment, so I'm, I'm part of it on there. But it's an interesting idea, because those types of games are very different. And there are definitely some examples of games that we've uh, mentioned down here that can work. I mean, my original thing was saying something like Kanban. Kanban behind me there would be something where you have to gather a lot of parts, and it eventually has a big payoff. Whereas something like Earth, that I taught them recently, and he likes the game is more on the homogenous side. You do a bit here, you do a bit there, a bit there, everything gets you a few points from bits and bobs, but you don't really know what the payoff is until the very end, and even then, it's basically to add up to a bucket load of points. So he's kind of incenting that, you know, he's more into the idea of the big payoffs. Now, you know, games that he's mentioned that, you know, work for him, like Feudum, Feudum uh, is a game we both like. Now, I like it for the guilds, he likes it for the big payoff, but then he's also mentioned, and we do differ on opinions on a few games here. You know, like, for example, he really likes uh, Lorenzo Magnifico, and, um, what was the other one? And Imperial Steam. They are both games that I wish would burn in hell. But the idea is, is that, uh, trying to find the quote, Ugh, can't find it. Uh, yeah, you have to really think about your choices as they can really pay off or crash horribly. Unless you're playing Imperial Steam, in which case uh, you make a wrong choice at the start. And you crash and derail and then you never get back on the track. So, and that's Food Chain Magnet as well, is another example of this. But this will be interesting because I thought about, well, okay, where do I stand on this? And for me, the payoff in the game isn't the interesting part for a game for me. Some people are all about that payoff. You know, do I win? Do I lose? Did I get a really cool idea that worked? I don't care if I win or lose. I mean, I try to win. Obviously, I'm playing to win. And if I win, great. But if I lose, I don't care as long as the journey was fun. And there's the whole phrase of life is a journey, not a destination. Some of that is true and some of that is not when it comes to real life. But when it comes to a board game, I think pretty much all the time, you know, 99% of the time for me, it will be the journey, not the destination. The destination is, did the payoff work? Did I win the game on victory points? Whatever. Who cares? Did I win Ark Nova the other day by 30 points? Did I barely win it by one? A win is a win and at the end of the day, I enjoy the journey of Ark Nova to get to that point, so I'm happy. Pursuit of happiness. you don't care about the payoff at the end of pursuit of happiness. It's the journey of building up your life with those cards and having fun with the banter and that. Frostpunk. The payoff, yeah. Did you succeed in the co op game? And I suppose the payoff is a little bit more interesting than the co op game, so maybe, you know, when we're talking from this perspective, co op games are more about the payoff. But The journey, bantering with your friends, talking, discussion, Spirit Island, Sentinels of the Multiverse, Frostpunk, stuff like that, where you're making the choices and you watch the story unfold, particularly in Frostpunk. You know, you're playing it for the story, you're not playing it to see whether you won or lost at the end of the day, you love the journey to get there. And so something like Earth appeals to me more than something like, you know, something like Barrage or Lorenzo and that, because they care more about the payoff, whereas I'm more interested in the bits I'm doing in Earth. You know, I don't care if I win by... 250 points 300 points other day i got 309 points in earth i had a killing with compost and a card that scored me for compost again i'd like 79 points for terrain cards you know inclusive of that i got 309 points i am never gonna break 300 again i don't think for a long while i was very proud of that but still i didn't care that much well okay all right i cared a little bit more because it was my top score but you know i digress let's say i got 271 points and i won by 30 points Whatever, I don't care. In Earth, I enjoy it because of the little decisions I'm making. Like, oh, I get to trigger all these abilities, and I get to do this action, and I have not that much downtime. And I'm thinking, oh, I quite like this card, I like this card, but I could compost that one, maybe I should play this one. That's the bit I'm enjoying, not the payoff at the end. Now... The problem with these games that are all about payoffs is that, for example, you know, my friend mentioned things like uh, Imperial Steam, and others have mentioned things like Food Chain Magnate, for example. Snowdonia, in fact. We played it the other day, and I thought, well, okay, where does Snowdonia sit with you? Because to me, that feels more like a payoff game as opposed to the homogenous type game. And I, like I say, Snowdonia is barely a 6 out of 10 for me, but he likes it a lot more. Again, probably the reasoning, that similar reasoning. But, games like Food Chain Magnate, I cannot stand and want to see burned, you know, from existence. Because Food Chain Magnate, for example, you know, you play that game for four hours. And, if you don't have, you know, if you don't start off well with Food Chain Magnate, you basically have to sit there for four hours just going through the motions with nothing to show for it. And, that's it. I mean, the payoff is horrible in this game Yeah, well it depends if you start off well in the first couple of turns then you actually have a game to play and so you might enjoy the journey but at the end of the day you're basically saying right did my early game go well in which case i get a giant payoff for it or did it not go well well then it went catastrophically bad but then for me the journey sucks in this game Because in Food Chain Magnate, I'm like, right, well, I started off bad because I did the two things. I sorry, I didn't do the exact order of play that you're supposed to do in this wretched piece of crud game. Um, And so that means the rest of my game is ended. Like, I've got no chance to win. I'm just going for the motions and I'm frustrated beyond belief. So the journey sucks in this, which is why I don't like this game. Because I've got nothing during the game to enjoy. You know, this game is bad. I hate it. Burn. Burn in hell, please. Get off the screen. Get off the screen now. Give me something else. Give me something nice. Ah, quick, quick, quick. No, not not ah. No, not Call of Duty game. Give me something nice. Uh brr. Sentinels. I need to I need to calm myself with some sentinels. Sentinels, save me! Save me! Give me something to look at. That's nice. Ah. There you go. Ah, that's better. Right, but well, Sentinels, another thing. You know, yeah, the payoff. Did you beat the villain? Well, yeah. But did you have fun with the heroes, you know, doing all the different banter and comboing off these abilities? That's the bit I'm liking. Feudum's an interesting example, actually, because in Feudum, we both like that game. But I think we like that game for different reasons, because we both like the whole way it interacts and the guilds and stuff like that. It's a sandbox game for me, which is what I like. But I think he likes it because of the payoff of, like, you know, you have to do all this stuff and then eventually it comes together at the end. I'm playing it more because of the interaction of the guilds and the choices I'm making as the journey goes on. So, we both like it, but for different ideas. Now, I don't think there's anything else in this chat that mentions, well, Barrage was the other one. And again, Barrage, burn in hell. But that one's not it. I mean, that one, again, the journey sucks because as soon as, you know, you're constantly being screwed over in Barrage, yeah, you know, there's nothing fun about constantly being kicked. Yeah, you know, the way I described it was basically that it's the equivalent of you know going to you're on a train, which is already bad enough for me or something. And you, you know, I'm I'm getting a train from Portsmouth to Birmingham, and on that train journey, someone every mile is kicking me in the nuts. That's playing barrage, okay? You're getting kicked in the nuts every mile, and your final destination at the end of the day is Birmingham. So all in all, you're still in a bad place. Now, the payoff, let's say I, I mean, the first time I played Barrage, I won. I won. I, I don't know how I won. I barely won by a point, And I think it was because I was playing the German faction. And if you build off the German board, they've got lots of VP tick incomes. And I think I just focused on that because, let's face it, doing anything on this board was a waste of space. Because as soon as you build anywhere, somebody else comes by and goes, well, I'll steal it from you. <laughs> In No, it's not. Oh, I hate this game. Um, but the... Yeah, ooh, Sorry if I blew out the mic there for a second. But the, the the thing with this is that I just built off the VP income of my board. And somehow that tick over beat people actually playing a game for electricity generation. How that happened, I have no idea. But, so I won the game at the end. So did that make the game experience better? No. I don't care that I won the game. The journey still sucked. I don't care if, you know, I mean... That metaphor I used a minute ago with the whole going to Birmingham being kicked in the nuts all the time, right? I don't care if at the end of this journey, I'm then rewarded with a big gallon of uh, Cornish vanilla ice cream. Okay, I love ice cream. I love Cornish ice cream. You know, brilliant. That's nice to get at the end. But at the end of the day, I'm still in Birmingham with crushed nuts. That doesn't mean that the journey was any better. Just because I've now got a bowl of ice cream doesn't justify the horrible journey it took to get there. But if the payoff is maybe a little anticlimactic or, you know, ah, oh, there wasn't a big ice cream at the end of the day. Oh, well, whatever. I still had fun getting here. You know, that's the difference maybe with, say, you know, going on the, going on the cruise ship. So, for example, I've been on the, the cruise recently and, you know, we went to, uh, um, was it Munich? No, it wasn't Munich. It wasn't Berlin. I've forgotten the name of the German city I went to on my cruise. And this is a slight problem because... Oh, was it Hamburg? Yeah, I think it was Hamburg. Um, And why did I forget it? Well, because, honestly, I found Hamburg to be a bit of a boring city. It was a Sunday, nothing was open, and there was just not really much to do. I went on a cycle ride around it, but the weather wasn't great. The cycle ride was good, you know, to cycle from the cruise port underneath that tunnel that goes from the port into the sort of city-centre-ish area of Hamburg uh, that was built in the war or something. You know, I, I forget. i forgot the history lesson i was being given but the you know that tunnel was pretty cool and cycling around hamburg there's a nice lake and it was all nice but for the most part i was kind of bored with hamburg it just wasn't really a city that looked to me like a ooh, party city or place to be not compared to somewhere like bruges for example but the cruise ship is great it's lovely i can go on the, go to saunas i can drink cocktails and stuff and you know have lovely meals go for shows i love cruises now this is the example of where the payoff isn't as great. You know, I sit on a cruise ship for two days. I'm enjoying myself, having the drink, shows, going for swims and all that lot, going to the gym and that, and I'm like, yeah, I'm having a good time on this cruise ship. Oh we finally got to Hamburg and it's not as great as I would have hoped. Ah. Huh. That's a bit of a shame. But I still had a good two days getting there. Yes, the payoff wasn't perfect. I lost the game, I came second, didn't win. But if I enjoyed the game, who cares? pursuit of happiness, you know, ah, I'm going to try and win, I'm going to try and win, ah, you overtook me, and you beat me by two points, oh well, look at this family I built up here, and all these weirds, and I built a bonsai tree, and stuff like that, that's the kind of thing that, you know, makes me enjoy the game, so this is, I'm curious where people sit, you know, do you prefer the big payoff at the end, you're not too fussed about the, you know, the build-up it's going to take to get there, whether it could crash and burn horrendously, if you make bad moves, or the such and such, Or are you more like me, where you like those homogenous games, where, you know, you do a bit, you do lots of cool decisions and that, and if you do well with those decisions, you will win, but it's not quite the same as building up... It it couldn't go as disastrously wrong as something in those other games. You know, I'd like to know where your stances are, but, I mean, that's kind of the way I feel. You know, let's look at a a bit more of my collection to kind of grasp if, if this is still the case. I mean, I suppose there are exceptions. The Civilization games feel like more of a... A payoffs type thing, you know, a new dawn in the Fantasy Flight 2010-1, so there are exceptions to the rule, I've already mentioned co-ops, but, saying that, a lot of these games I haven't played in a while, Civilization, uh, Forbidden Stars, stuff like that, you know, has generally been ones that require an effort, a payoff, and I haven't taken them off the shelf in a while. But then, you know, something like uh, Caverna, is a great example over there, so you know, with Agricola, it feels more like the payoff tile game, whereas Caverna feels more like the homogenous one. You do a bit here and there. You grab a vegetable, it's worth a point. You grab a dog, it's worth a point. You grab a piggy, it's worth a point. You know, point salads are good fun for that regard. Fields of Isle, perfect example. Everything you do in there is getting you points in some regard, but do you win the game at the end of Caverna or Fields of Isle? whatever i had fun building up my farm my area my stuff i've got all the pigs i've got all the sheep you know i've got all the tools and fields of all and that that's the bit that i'm enjoying and having fun with which is possibly why i prefer those to agricola for example um, campaign games uh, i suppose campaign games well no campaign games are about the journey i mean yeah the payoff is maybe a little bit more important in there because if you if you get to the end and, I mean, Lords of the Ring Journeys to Middle-Earth suffers from this. The payoffs in Lords of the Ring's Journeys to Middle-Earth suck. They're not good payoffs. The finales are too hard, too difficult, too swingy. And it's not like the story is fantastic in the game. It's more the mechanics and the stuff I'm doing that I'm enjoying. So I like the journey in it, no pun intended, more than the payoff. But the payoff in a campaign game, if it's bad, could you know, could be a bad thing. Uh, I got bored playing Descent 3.0. You know, I fought the story and the writing and it sucked. It's bad. And so if I don't care about the characters or anything, then why do I care about the rest of this game? Again, the journey's not good. That means I'm not going to like it as much. Uh, let's see, what else have we got? Um, Seven Wonders? I mean, I suppose with shorter games, payoffs are okay. I suppose the time length's got to factor in, because Seven Wonders is more of a... That one feels more like a payoff game. You're playing some cards and you're hoping it will kick in later, but then saying that you are making a lot of little decisions, and so those little decisions have importance. But that 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 game's done and dusted in thirty minutes. Splendor, it's done and dusted in thirty minutes, so a short game that's about payoffs is fine, because you haven't invested so much time in it. I've mentioned a lot of games there where I don't like these payoffs, where if it goes wrong, you're there for ages. Food Chain Magnate Barrage, uh, Magnifico and stuff like that. These are mostly two and a half to three hour or not longer games. So you have to invest a lot more time there. And it it kind of sort of feels like, oh, okay, that's the... Uh, you know, the that i think for longer games the payoff becomes more unimportant to me because i want the journey to be good i don't particularly like long journeys i like to get from a to b as quick as possible and if i am going to be on a long journey i need to do as much as i can to keep myself from getting bored falling asleep or do it or you know being frustrated with the fact that i'm stuck in a car or you know stuck on the train or something or stuck on the plane and so I have to do things to make the journey better. I mean, it's one thing that one reason it stops me going to the States because the States pay off maybe good, maybe not. But then I've got to sit on that plane for what seven, eight, nine hours on that plane, condensed like a sardine in a tin. You know, the journey better be improved if I'm going to sit on that plane and not go insane. And then if I've got to, so right, okay, let's sit on this plane, journey's going to be good. And then you hear the crying child on the other side of the aisle. And it's like, pfft, and already my journey is ruined. You know, that sort of thing certainly makes more of a thing in longer-length games. But curious to know your thoughts. I thought this was an interesting topic. And if he gets wind that I've used this on the podcast, then I guess I owe him a stout. That's easy. I mean, it means I can share in a stout as well. And alcohol is always fun. But in moderation. But the, yeah, the topic just sort of felt a bit interesting. Because I I, I get his stance on the games. But I was curious as to where my stance was on the games. And for me, I think I fit in the opposite category. I like the more homogenous style games. The journey to me is more important than the destination in board gaming. And so, you know, shorter games are good for that. But even longer games where you do a lot of little bits during a game and then the payoff happens, you know, great. You know, uh, Sidereal Confluence, um, the big negotiation game, that is so much more about the journey than the payoff, really. And, you know, I get to the end and ah, I didn't quite win. But, yeah, I had good fun two to three hours of solid negotiation with other players. That was the fun bit. Hegemony, actually. Hegemony, perfect example. I mean, uh, the payoff, yeah, did you win points-wise? Is it really as important as all the stories and all the stuff that happens during a game with the voting and the bu- and the companies and all the four factions going against each other? Surely that's more interesting than the payoff of did you win with victory points. I'd be curious to know your thoughts, but that's the way I see it. So, yeah. Right. Oh, yes. Under an hour. I'm going to wrap it up there because I need to sort out my chili downstairs, which has uh, been slow cooking for the last couple of hours. So hopefully that's going to be... um. Mmm, delicious. I love chili. I love curries more, but I love chili. Chili is probably the second favorite meal I can have. It you know, you make a good chili with some dark chocolate, uh, and and you know, make it nice and spicy, you yeah, know, a bit of beef stock. Oh, yeah. You can and slow cook it. You, you know, not even put it in a slow cooker, just put it in the pan and leave it there for a good three hours on low. Oh, it creates such a nice meal. Oh, that reminds me, I've got to do some rice. Alright, guess I'm not eating for another three quarters of an hour or so. Maybe another hour. But <laughs> And I've got to edit this. So I'm going to put the rice on first. Why am I talking about my cooking regime at the end of an episode? Anyway, that's it for me. I'll see you on the next Broken Meeple episode. And of course, the next episode in a couple of weeks will be based on probably previewing the uk games expo if not this episode and the one after it definitely there's going to be one in may that is previewing the games expo so you know look forward to that but of course check out that top 10 nature games list you know let's try and get some more views on that but mainly let me know your thoughts also about the whole merchandise thing and help me push this channel to 20,000 subscribers you know we need more honest reviewers on the interweb and i'm not the only one out there there are some great ones out there you should also check out but I'm trying to do honest reviews here. And if it's something that you want, then we got to keep the channel going and get the word out. So 20,000 subscribers, here we come. So take care. And remember, as always, as always, definitely no matter how much of a rant I've gone on with some of the stuff here today, it's still at the end of the day. Only a game. So bye for now and take care.